I know the DJ. Do you? Welcome to episode 33 of But I Know the DJ, a podcast discussing all things DJing, music, nightlife, business, and pop culture through the unfiltered opinions of host Snacks. Give me Snacks, baby. AKA Snacks and Miss Prime, powered by Dope Entertainment and our sponsor, Anchor. Very excited to welcome two guests for today's episode, returning guest, DJ Fab, and we also have Jackie's Boy, a Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter with four Grammy nominations, one Grammy win, 12 number one records, and ASCAP Rhythm and Soul Award, and has sold over 18 million records, working with successful artists such as Madonna, Justin Bieber, Chris Brown, 50 Cent, Tyga, T.I., and Charlie Wilson. Jackie's Boy specializes in male and female top lines. Uh, label uh, label ready demos music production vocal production vocal arrangements as well as background vocals we welcome jackie's boy and dj fab back onto the show as well welcome guys welcome boys thank you so much for making the time to get on the show here appreciate you bro hey and so um yeah yeah uh, I, I i'm notorious for the show for always uh jacking up intros and taking a long time with intros but uh you know yours is a very illustrious one um and we're very very excited to have you here um and especially in the midst of uh, a new drop you just had um therapy session therapy session within just uh the last few days correct yeah yeah it came out friday yeah yeah and and i was actually uh you know just going through all of your stuff obviously that one being the first one um popping up and one of the questions i was going to ask you was obviously just about you know uh, being singer songwriter, how much of it becomes, you know, so much of your actual life that you, that you talk about or that you write about. And then hearing that as one of the first songs, you know, just going, going through all your stuff, it seemed very everything that kind of actually has gone on in your life based on what I've read. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, it's a literal display. Right. Um, you know, I had to put myself out there, you know, um, I feel like the only way that I can be able to be my best authentic self is to show, what what I deal with, my ups and my downs. And, uh, you know, I'm just happy to kind of get that get that monkey off my back, so to speak, mm-hmm. and kind of talk about things that I've dealt with. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that writing process, you know, that being kind of your most recent work, um, at least that is, you know, out in the public, has that, it's compared to, you know, the long list of kind of accolades and, um, you know, awards you've won in the past. How does, you know, that writing shift compare or has how, how has it changed over that time? Well, I think every every year I find myself getting better. You know, I'm still a student uh, of the game and, and being able to kind of always learn as I go along. And when I got into this business in 2009, you know, I was very green, very fresh. And now, uh, you know, 10, 11, 12 years later, I'm like very like cognizant of the things that I'm writing. And I find that the more real that I am as an as a person, as an artist, it comes through in a way that just people react to it. Um, I've been getting calls from a lot of people actually that was really good telling me that they had their own personal demons they were dealing with and that, uh, that the song helped me, helped them in a way mm. to kind of get out some things that they were dealing with, some past traumas. So, um, yeah, man, I find myself getting, getting better and obviously showing this other side of me as a writer. I'm, I'm still able to do that, but I think when you're able to use the voice as the instrument mm. to get your point across, it really helps a lot. Yeah, it was just so interesting that you know i was kind of just reading more about you know your personal life your background your come up and everything like that and it's funny because if i had just listened to the song first 
I would have gotten the same answers. You know what I mean? It almost was exactly what I read. And I thought that was very, very interesting. And to your point, saying that other people or other artists hitting you up and being like, wow, like, you know, I think opening their eyes. Because even for me as just a listener, it opened my eyes or, or just had me very uh, reflective in that moment. Um, is that, you know, the the main objective of that song or was that more of just a personal thing for you? Um, it was both. It was both, you know, um, getting a chance to uh, express myself uh, therein helps other people express theirs um, themselves as well. So I just, you know, at first this was something that I put on at two in the morning was like, I, you know, for me, I'm one of those people who is a bit of an introvert and, and it don't take a lot to upset me or get me going. But when I feel like there's pressure or stress mounting up, I kind of just black out or kind of just blow up so to speak. So I was like, let me try, you know, some constructive ways to get this out. And I just sat in front of a mic and, and start freestyling. And, you know, the words started to come together and then it just kind of took over itself. And then after it came out, I was like, yo, I debated not releasing this single um, mm. therapy session. I was like, well, maybe, maybe this is too real, you know, mm-hmm. maybe people want to see kind of what, you know, they don't want to see behind the curtain. But then, but then a part of me was like, no, you need to show this because, there's people right now who are afraid to drop that single or who are mm-hmm. afraid to say things that they really, really want to say. Um, so, you know, don't don't be selfish in that regard and, and share share what's, what you're going on aside, you know? Right, absolutely. And and Fab, you being kind of a blossoming producer over the last year, um, having worked with now, you know, multiple artists and now being kind of in the midst with um, those of the like of um, Jackie's Boy as well. How as a producer has that kind of changed your approach into whether it be collaboration or just how you're kind of approaching your own music before you send them out. Yeah. So, um, so now I'm a part of big circle music group, which is, um, our record label. Mm -hmm. And it's mostly to focus on, uh, R and B, um, which is, you, you know, you know, I love my R and B. Yeah. The the first time you were here, you were, um, talking about how much you wanted to like, just kind of focus on uh, R and B and that sound. Yeah, so um, it definitely helped me just um, learn a bit more about the history of R&B. And um, Jackie actually had a single with Sean Stockman um, from Boys and Men. And Mm -hmm. um, it's just like opening my eyes just to learn a bit more about the history of the music. And um, also on the A&R side, um, that's kind of what I've been doing lately, just trying to uh, connect with more R&B artists. Like we've already connected with Miranda Ray from Boston, who's... Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Dope, dope artist. Yeah, we had her on the on the festival, so I was yeah, able to really see her fire, shine bro. there. Yeah, but um, yeah, so I'm just like listening to all types of music and just being exposed to all different uh, backgrounds. So it definitely helps producing in that sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and I think you know you talk about R and B like as it stands in 2021, R and B has really just blossomed to a very generic. Um, kind of genre or, or covers a lot of ground I mean even if we just look at the list of um, you know Jackie's Boy's successful works right we have from Flow Rider you know Sugar being a you know top record when it when it dropped you know we have it includes graffiti Chris Brown Madonna Eeny Meeny with Sean Kingston but even has Johnny Gill records you know this one's for me and you Charlie Wilson you know also very legendary acts as well you know how do you you kind of describe R&B or do you feel like it's all kind of within the same family in that way? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's all in the same group. You know, I, I'm happy to see where R&B is, 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 is going and, and where it's evolving to, um, you know, it, it makes me happy to see that the art form is, is still, still the art form. Right. Um, I think for a minute we, 
you know, in the past, we kind of lost our identity a little bit, mm. you know, by trying to figure out where do we fit in? You know, are we the cool guy in the club? Are we the, right. you know, are we the, <laughs> right. you know, what, what are we in this, in this kind of scheme of things? And I think we found ourselves as being, you know, a little bit of the outcast, but a little bit of the trendsetters as well. You know, um, when you have artists that are, you know, kind of just true to themselves and kind of create their own lane and, and uh, you know, when you have like, you know, the Bryson Tillers of the world and, you know, and the Blacks of the world, like people kind of creating their own, their own voice within mm-hmm. the R&B uh, diaspora just makes it really cool. And I'm just happy to be a part of it. And I'm happy to have Fab on the team because, you know, we're, we're building legacy and that's what we want. We want to be able to look back in the next 30 years and see the things that we've accomplished, not just the things that I've accomplished with writing records for these artists, but also what, what does it look like, you know, 30 years from now with the artists that we've helped develop um, a part of this journey. Yeah. I mean, super well said. And um, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting that you brought up like Bryson Tiller and black again, when, when I had fab here originally, um, on the show, we spoke about those two in length and specifically about their influence and how, you know, Bryson Tiller specifically kind of creating his own genre with Trap Soul, right? And so, you know, as at one point, you know, you see R&B as maybe like, you know, new, new edition stuff, you know, popcorn-y stuff or even very Keith Sweat where it's very, you know, down tempo and very sensual and anything like that. And so you see it evolve or have so many different identities and to now it really adopting whether it be production that's like very similar to hip hop, you know, in trap soul. Um, and then be, people being able to in the R and B space kind of transcend and completely influence the next generation in a very strong way. I think it's becoming very, very prominent these days. Um, so you bring up those examples was, um, you know, something I definitely have thought about in the past. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think, you know, uh, we're, we're now, I mean, we've always been the, the tree, but I think the tree has more branches. Mm. And with those branches, you have different styles of everything. I mean, the last record, you know, the last number one R&B record uh, was, you know, Leave the Door Open, Bruno Mars and Anderson Pac with, uh, you know, Silk Sonic. I think it's now R&B can be whatever we want it to be. And I just I'm just so happy to see it continuously go forward in the culture. Yeah, and even within your own uh, discography, you know, you you hit different versions of R and B. Is is kind of what you're releasing with, you know, therapy session, or even what you have coming down the line. Is that more of what you want to be, or um, are you kind of just trying to still f- uh, fit within different molds? Are you still experimenting? Um, well, that's a great question. I think, and I think the answer to that is both. Really, um, I, I found a, a sound that I feel like fits me the most. I, I coined it called uh, progressive soul. Ooh. And- it is a, you know, it is what people are familiar with when they're when they're looking for soul music, but it kind of takes it to another another step forward, another level, if you would say. So it really um, pushes the sound. Um, and some things are modern, as you can see with therapy session. There is no chorus. Um, mm. There's just this conversation. Right. And I, I'm, I'm now digging into more of those. Where you know nowadays you have hip hop artists, and they've always been doing this, uh, doing freestyles. Right. And a, and a hip hop artist could do a freestyle with no hook and it'll be on the radio. Right. So for me, I, I feel like there's a lane of for me to kind of continuously try where there will be you no know, typical structure where things will kind of mm. fit out of the norm a bit. And then also, um, I'm always open to experiment uh, different styles and different ways of doing things. I'm working on a couple collaborations with some Portuguese artists out in Brazil. Word. So, you know, I, I'm looking to always kind of push it as further and bring what I bring to the table 
you know, across the world. That's yeah, that's super dope. Um, Fab, with all that being said, you know, talking about uh, being able to fit within different kind of, you know, the branches um, of R&B. I know when as you began your uh, producing, um, it's been very like Trap Soul inspired, you know, very, you know, hi hats and still like, you know, 808s and stuff, but being able to be on a really, really smooth sound. Do you see yourself kind of going away from that and trying other things as well, especially now that you've kind of surrounded yourself with more, um, you know, mature, experienced artists? I mean, yeah, like I I want to learn how to do like the old school type of R&B joints um, just because um, just because like R&B is currently like evolving, but I still want to have that old sound. And that's kind of what you hear, like when you hear a No Lifeguard by Jackie's Boy and um, especially just the feel from it. And when you watch the video, you'll see him in like a like a silk R&B outfit, like throwback style. And it's like super dope. But um, going back to the music. Yeah. I, I just think just learning about how R&B was before will help me with my producing career in mm-hmm. the future. Kind of going back to the basics a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the whole, um, you know, I did, I honestly didn't even think about the no chorus thing and, and, and you know the second you said it i was like damn like wow that's so true like you know being able to kind of zero in on that and and i think the structure of i think pop music in general has been changing a lot attention span social media things like tiktok and stuff like that you know things are being rearranged where you know i've been reading songs are shorter or they're putting you know the hook they're starting the song with the hook versus having it kind of be a verse and a hook kind of thing has that you know is that actual a actually a prevalent thing you being a professional songwriter is that is there anything that you're kind of taking that to your process and changing that at all uh yeah i mean you start out kind of you know in the you know the school of songwriting i would say is mm-hmm. like you know you got your verse your chorus or your verse your pre-hook and your chorus and you know you kind of follow those those still structures don't deviate away from that keep that the same and that's when i first got in in 2000 you know 2009 2008 Mm -hmm. but now you know the rules have changed which i love because you know creatively you know people you know create and digest music differently so um and with this record even with the rp session as an example you know it's it's storytelling so and it's and it's and it's a moment where you kind of can sit in a chair and listen to someone's thoughts in real time as they're going through what's their what's their process in life and their story and how they get to where they are so mm-hmm. i think um don't get me wrong there's certain songs that still require still can use the you know the regular structure of verse chorus verse chorus bridge but then you know but also you can you can step out of the box a bit you know a lot of writers ask me what you know how to write a song and i say well, first thing mm-hmm. make it true make it honest um that's the first thing um i, I would even throw out structuring before you, you know, come up with the actual true self or true idea, true concept that really you can build upon. And then after that, let the song take you where it needs to go. Mm, absolutely. That's that. No, that's, that's great. Um, I personally, you know, me being on the outside, you know, I'm, I'm a DJ and that's kind of my connection to music. And, you know, I read a lot about uh, kind of disparities between songwriters and, you know, the artists that they might be writing songs for. I think most notably, at least in the hip hop world, you know, we think of all the stuff with like Drake and Meek Mill and, you know, and uh, his writer and how, you know, there's kind of that, you know, who really takes credit, you know, who's really the talent, um, you know, people try and discredit Beyonce because she doesn't write all of her songs. You know, what's your opinion kind of on that argument or um, 
the disparity that comes between a songwriter and the artist? Well, I think that, you know, songwriters are, are the biggest unsung heroes um, in, in, in the game. I, I believe that, you know, when you see it, when you see a producer, you know, their, their tag is right in the beginning of the mm-hmm. song. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You, you know, you, you know, Mike Will made it, you know, all, you know, Mustard, you know, all of them, you, you know, DA on, on the track, you know, all of them before, you know, the song even plays for the first five seconds. Mm-hmm. But you don't know who wrote a part of what, who was responsible for help coming up with that melody, who helped come up with those lyrics that make it through, make it, you know, make it really that hit that it's supposed to be. Um, and with that being said, I think that, I don't know why, I don't know how right songwriters got this stigma of like, you know, where we're like the people that's not supposed to be seen. Mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong, amongst songwriters ourselves, we know who writes what, right? You know, we're staying in those liner notes. We know, you know, where those credits are. We know who's writing it in the, in our community and in our circle. Mm. But I do think that, you know, in the artist realm, you know, you'll get an artist who will stand on stage and thank God, their mom, the producer, the, the manager, but they don't thank the songwriter. Mm. And, it's um, not weird. It, it's <laughs> weird, right? It's like the weirdest thing I've ever seen. But yeah. um, I, I think that, you know, you mentioned Meek Mill and Drake. I think that, you know, with hip hop, the game, the rules are a little different. Sure. I get why. Because, sure. you know, if you're a hip hop artist and you claim to live the life that you talk about, right. then, yeah, you want to have some type of authenticity there. But that does not mean that you can't have people in the room saying something that is true to your life as well. You know what I mean? Just because someone else said it doesn't mean that it isn't less true, right? Like, right. Bill has, uh, you know what I'm saying? If you grew up in the project, so you grew up not having money, if somebody else said it, does it make it less true that it came out of their mouth and not yours? Mm. No. It's the same thing. It's just somebody else said it, you know, and you thought, oh, that was a really cool idea. And um, to, to without going on a tangent, I just wanted to continue further with that. I mean, some of our biggest, you know, hip hop heroes, you know, Big Pop, et cetera, et cetera. I guarantee you they're not sitting there writing everything by themselves. There's some inspiration came from somewhere. And um, and I think that uh, we should be more respected. We need to be. Um, you know, it, it is important. I think, you know, back in the 60s and 70s, we knew, OK, Smokey Robinson was responsible for a lot of those hits. Holland Dozier Holland was responsible for a lot of those hits. You know what I'm saying? Like these guys, you knew who they were back in those days. You know, my grandmother knew who uh who those songwriters were. Mm. Um almost just as much as she knew who the artist was. Right. Um so I think that we have to get back to that in a way. Um and with that I think we have to take away outside of the me mentality, right? Everybody saying, oh well it's me who did this. I did this on my own. You know, I got all the success by myself. We have to get away from that because that's untrue. Everybody needed a, needed a team. And in that team, you know, there's songwriters, there's producers, there's mixers, there's man, there's engineers, there's everybody who helped make this project what it is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and but at the same time, you know, I th- it's so weird because obviously there's so many songwriters, you know, you, you, you see videos or, or uh, articles where it's like, you didn't know this guy produced these 10 hits and anything like that. But at the same time, there's also people like the dream who are, you know, super known for writing hits and everything like that. And, uh, you know, I thought it was interesting how, um, during uh COVID there was, you know, obviously the versus battle between the uh, producers, but there was also some of songwriters, um, you know, the dream and being, being one of them, I think was Sean Garrett, 
I know Neil was in one, um, you know, and they're them just like flexing their, uh, you know, songwriting guns and everything like that. Uh, did you, you know, follow that at all? Or did you, um, you know, what did you think about, you know, kind of people competing within song songwriters? Yeah, I love it. I love it. Um, I, I thought it was great to see that, you know, I think that they are artists that they're songwriters that transformed or changed into being becoming artists. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm course they're going to get a lot more attention because they've kind of crossed that threshold um uh i do wish i would like to see more songwriters that aren't hasn't crashed crossed that threshold yet um and that's maybe something to be seen later on in life to where we can start to see those songwriters who you that got 10 12 20 hits that you don't even know about right <laughs> you know what i mean right that don't have a hit in the radio and then it's not a successful solo artist or so in a part in a part of a group but they just kind of, you know, you just give them notoriety just because they've done what they've done. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, um, so jumping back in here, um, I did want to ask you um, just because, you know, there's so much that goes on behind the scenes. Right. And, you know, yeah. um, again, on your on your record, you're just talking you were talking about a lot about the politics of music and, you know, how difficult it can be to kind of maneuver through um, the industry. Um is I just want to provide you kind of uh you know another platform maybe to just speak more candidly on kind of what you're we're talking about or you know what maybe other songwriters or producers like Fab um, should expect or kind of be weary of when trying to maneuver through the music industry like that. Well, I think that you know just just be careful with you know obviously I'm I'm a big fan of you know what's for you is for you right meaning that whatever whatever God has given or put in your, put in your face to have as, as your opportunity for success, you know, it should be, for, it should be for you. There's people who don't have that same kind of mindset and, you know, will get jealous of the success that you have. Will, you know, not tell you an opportunity because they feel like maybe you've had mm. too much <laughs> mm. of an opportunity. You know what I mean? When, even if you could be the best person for the job, um, I'm always like a big person not telling anybody what I got going on until it actually happens because, you know what I mean? When you put out that kind of energy, some, sometimes people can take advantage of that, mm. you know, you know, start talking about, Oh, well he said that. And then mm. next thing you know, it becomes the telephone game where it's not even exi- nothing what you said. And then that turns into something else. Um, also too, is a lot of friends and peers that I got into this game with um, built relationships with, and you're not you're not as close anymore. Right. And it's not anyone's fault or anything like that. It's just, right. you know, as time progresses, just, you know, people go to where the opportunity is or where they where 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 certain things are going to take them. And you have to be care, careful about calling people friend. Right. Because I feel like I don't use that word um, lightly. Mm-hmm. Um, a friend is a person who you can call on whenever you need them. Sure. Someone who's dependable, someone who is doesn't want anything from you. Right. And I think that in this music business, we kind of, you know, start off. Oh, Hey bro, friend, you know, what up, bro? What up, bro? Right. bro, bro, bro every week, I got you. I got you. I got you. And when that gets put to the test, you'll start to see who really is, you know, friends who, who are really there for you, who are there just for the opportunity to get into a room with you, to write something with you. Um, or are, are there going to be, you know, a ride or die person saying, Hey, Whatever you go through, I go through too. Yeah, I, I was uh, giggling a little bit because Fab, this is very similar to the DJ world. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Where everyone's bro and whatever. And if, you know, you saying if you get too much of something, people are going to think that you've had enough or like, you know, to take that away. That it's so true, you know, even on a local level, um, you know, with DJs, you know, oh, they're getting the best gigs. Like if if Jackie's boys out here coming to perform, why is, you know, Fab getting to DJ for him and not me? You know what I mean? I deserve a big a big gig like that. It's so prevalent. It's so common. Um, so it's interesting to see that it kind of just transcends across like different, you know, in in different avenues of you know music in the music industry, and I will say I will say that Jackie like Los he's like super cool because like there's a lot of people who I don't even know how to describe them but they just like they're just fake like that's just how it is mm-hmm. but he's like super real like from the moment like I talked to him um, and met him he was just like super genuine and I just feel like that's like super hard to find in the industry which is why like. I like I like talking to Lowe's and I get advice from him and all that. So, man, I appreciate you, Fab. Like likewise, man. I got to tell you, man, Fab is one of the coolest, as you said, down to earth, down to earth cats that I've met in in, in a long time. And uh, you know, there's something about a person that is ambitious, eager to learn, and just chill. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know what I mean? You know, because you get some people who are overly ambitious and who don't care who they step on to get mm-hmm. where they got to go. Mm-hmm. And the humbleness or the, the hey, I'm, I'm, I'm just like everybody else mentality kind of gets thrown out the window. But when you get a person with all three of those attributes, man, you know, I mean, that's what Fab is, just a really down-to-earth guy. So yeah, for sure. Yeah, Fab, Fab's but, definitely the homie. Well, what is y'all, y'all's story and how y'all linked up? So... We linked up through um, its Grammy U program. So it was a mentorship mentorship program where uh, we were just talking to the students about different areas such as like producing, songwriting, um, and just music overall. And I was actually the host for that meeting. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jackie was on it as well with um, Mike, who was, um, he's an engineer for uh, Bryson Tiller. So they both were on that call. And we basically just talked about music and just helping the kids just learn a bit more. But that's how we met. He was the man. He was a really dope <laughs> host. So, you know, uh, I, I love the questions he asked dope. and uh, just really just just like I said, you knew what he was doing off the bat. And I was like, yo, you you, you do this. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I that. thought I did shit, too. I thought I was so bad. You know? <laughs> oh, no, man, you did great. He did great. So that's what's up. You know. Yeah, but I, I I think that um you know with the industry you just got to navigate it properly you know mm-hmm. um, when you come into and you come into this business you're gonna get a lot of people cheerleading for you and and you'll be able to watch right as soon as you start to get a couple things moving you'll see some people still like rooting for you you'll see your your Instagram comments oh go bro keep doing it keep doing it mm-hmm. and then when you, there will be a point there's always is when you start to get a little too much. And those comments and those accolades, I mean, those, those, hey, bros, or those, you did it, or congratulations starts to dwindle. Mm. And you become just like, you know, almost like you don't even exist anymore. It's funny, like mm-hmm. watching that happen. Was that, was that moment for you, the Grammy win or a nomination? Where was that for you? No, I think that was for me, uh, my Ask Cap Rhythm and Soul Award win, you know, mm-hmm. um, I really look at myself as, as I said before, a student. So I'm always just, I'm, I'm proud. I'm happy just like writing and creating a song that I love. Like I, the littlest things can make me happy. You know what I'm saying? To all the way to the biggest things. And, you know, when you talk about these things, you forget like, yo, you're just, you're just happy to be putting out music. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like I said before, you know, others can be like, yo, like, 
you know, that's that's too much now. You know right, what I'm saying? Like, right, why, right. why, you know, why is he winning this, or why is why is this opportunity presented in this way? Right. But in the same breath, if I put if I tw- uh, put a message out or tweet it out that I'm broke and and mm. I can't feed myself and and I don't know where I'm going to how I'm going to live, the next thing you know, it'll be an outpour of people like, "Yo, bro, like, oh man, I'm sorry to hear you messed up like that." You know what I'm saying? And then there'll be some people that secretly like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, always, <laughs> always. Bring, bring them down a notch. Bring them down yeah, a notch. Yeah, yeah, Like, that's what you I know? like. Like, oh, yeah, that's what, that's what, that's what I wanted to see. <laughs> exactly. Um, I think in life, you know, it's it's always hard to to reach your max or your peak because once you reach, you know, what you thought was your peak, you always want to reach for the next one, right? Um, what did first the Grammy nominations mean to you? And then how did that differ from the win? And then kind of after the win, how did you kind of reflect on you and your career and your songwriting? Um, well, I kind of got that that first win pretty early. It was only two years in the writing professionally that, well, technically one, because um, my first placement came out in 2009. And then the, the, the Grammy win for Madonna came out in 2010. So it was one of those things like, is this life? kind of thing i looked is this is this really like did i struggle street performing for five years um to get to this point is this like this is the happy ending like this is where it is this right. is where it leads me and i was so happy and, and 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 i'm still very happy and proud of that and then as the nominations begin to go for bieber and for you know charlie and Flo and all of these guys i'm like man like i'm i'm i don't know i'm on, i was on cloud nine and, right. and still am on cloud nine these things are unbelievable to me. Like any chance I wake up and I'm like, yo, like I write songs for a living. I make beats for a living. Like I, I sing for a living. Like, you know what I mean? And uh, it makes me feel uh, very blessed because there's some people who don't have that opportunity um, or who want, who want to, who want to be chosen in that opportunity, but just haven't got there yet. So um you know, it, 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 I'm just very blessed and honored to be where I'm at. And I think it, it's evolved to me to know to never take things for granted and understand that this business is a bit of a it's a seesaw. Mm. You will never be on top. Anybody tell you, oh, I've been on top for 25 years is a lie. Like, it's not true. It doesn't exist. Right. There's always somebody else that's going to be writing. There's always somebody else going to have a hot hit record. And, you know, it goes in dips. It goes in ups and downs. And. I stopped playing that game of like trying to compete with others or trying to, I got to have a top 10 record every year on billboard and started being more, Hey, I'm going to focus on making the music that I love. Mm. I'm going to start creating things that matter to me. And because if they matter to me, most likely going to matter to somebody else at some Mm. point. Mm -hmm. And has that, you know, so I I wanted to ask you and, and, you know, this is kind of a nice segue there. I wanted to ask you about, what your songwriting process was, if there is kind of a formula that you follow and, you know, with you saying that, how has that changed you now to being like, Oh, I'm writing music more for myself. Um, well, I've always been a melody guy. Um, melodies are like everything to me. Um, I think that is the universal language of the world. People hear a melody first and start humming it before they even know the lyrics. Mm. So what I'll do is I'll put on a track and, and or mess around with some chords. Um, and then just kind of sing over it. You know, I don't have no intention on writing lyrics right away. Um, don't get me wrong. There'll be some words that I'll kind of mutter out that maybe be something that I'll say over and over again. 
and maybe that's a piece of a tag or a chorus line or whatever. And then I start to build upon that. And once the melody's locked in, the lyrics are easy after that mm. because now I know what the sentiment will be. Um, before, in my earlier days, I used to write full songs like on a notepad without even going into the booth and just writing and then going in the booth and recording it. But what I noticed is there was a sense of just like, I don't know, I felt like to me a little bit of emptiness because I wasn't quite tapping into, I wouldn't let the track re, um, talk to me. And there has to be a dialogue between um, top line and, and production. Mm. It has to go back and back. It has back and forth. Will you talk a little bit? Let them talk a little bit. You talk a little bit. Let them talk a little bit. I'm sorry if I'm so like I'm getting into the. No, this is great. I mean, this is the insight that I, I never get to get into. No, no, no. This is great because you know I'm not a songwriter, so I can't get this. You know, I we have our DJ guests here, and we get super technical there. But you know, this this is great. So definitely don't hold back. Okay, cool. Well, yeah, you, you have to have that dialogue. And I wasn't having that in the beginning. It was just like, hey, me, 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 I'm going to talk, 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 and then you're just going to listen track. But then I begin to understand it's a bit of a dance that we have to play. Mm. And once that's made, man, now it's like I, I understand a track so much more. Like I can listen to a track and understand when to breathe, when to, when to come in, when to let the music do the talking, when to let the so- the song, the melody do the talking. You know, and I think that really... Uh, makes things happen you saying that um you know the melody is the important part and the words kind of come after they come easy uh the, for, the first song that popped into my uh my mind you said that was um gibberish by ryan leslie mm-hmm. um yeah. i don't know if I, either of you guys are so familiar yeah with that i remember song. that yeah, yeah. yeah i love that album by the way yeah yeah oh i mean ryan leslie's amazing um but uh for those who don't know listening um it's a song that has a great you know it's great production awesome you know piano lead and the melody is great and he's not saying anything that's why it's called gibberish he's not saying a single word he's just mumbling 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 time is running now please don't pay me wait i don't want to know a stubborn day i still love it i stop alone it's the love i'll stop it's that I guess the story behind it was like, you know, that's how a lot of songwriters kind of start their process. They just get the melody down and then mm-hmm. just kind of mumble words together. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, mm-hmm. I think not as a joke, but like as kind of like a proof or a testament to kind of that concept that you were describing, he just like left the song like that. Um, yeah. And I think it was so honestly, like, so I don't even, I think you talk about like progressive and stuff. Like, I think it, that's super dope that he did that. And um, I don't, you know, it was never his biggest record by any means. I think it's like a, kind of like a b-side no, but i remember i remember yeah. that record i remember listening to it yeah yeah i don't know what he's saying but it sounds good yeah though. yeah like, and, I remember that. And, and it turns in when you start thinking about uh songs from you know other languages like you know global music where you know afro beats like i don't know mm-hmm. anything that they're saying or even dance hall you know same thing and then i'm latino and seeing other people listen to like bad bunny you know who's just kind yeah. of elevated reggaeton and, and latin american music so like you know people to your point, have no idea what they're saying. And in, and in some cases, right, you know, the lyrics are shit, you know, yeah, especially yeah. in rap music. Like it, it's, you know, the, the, the level of quality in terms of just songwriting has dropped. But if, you know, again, the melody is good, the hook, the hook is right. You know, the, the beats are great. Like that's sometimes all you need. It's earworm. And that's what, you know, kind of yeah. lets that uh, song elevate. Yeah. I have a masterclass um, online and, and my first, 
my my very first thing out the gate is melody is king. That is the most important part of this process. Melody is king. When you're able to understand that melody controls this whole thing, everything else will flow naturally. Right. And I don't mean to say that the lyrics aren't as the lyrics aren't important at all. I mean, that's not the case. But I think that the lyrics will start to flow when the melody has been locked in. Mm-hmm. It'll start to be just a regular conversation. And now I'm at a point now where I don't have to write it. I can just like now repeat that melody and then insert words. And then next thing you know, a full song comes out. So that's kind of how what happened with therapy session and, and even no lifeguard as well. Um, and more, more, actually more songs than that, but it'll just start out as a melody. And the next thing you know, I just kind of let the song guide me lyrically and then the song's completed. Dope, dope. And, and yeah, I mean, I think I love the insight. I mean, you, you apologizing about getting too so technical was uh, funny. I, I get like that sometimes with DJ when I get to like hardware and software stuff. Um, but, but we do appreciate that insight seriously. Um, you know, uh, for both of you, um, I have, I have my opinions on like perfect songs where it's like if there's features, you know, mm-hmm. someone's on the hook if it's an ensemble and then, you know, if everyone does their part so perfectly where mm-hmm. the song is, you know, really, I think pick up the phone. Travis Scott is one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think leave the door open is probably the most recent one for me. Uh, you know, everything about it is just perfect. Um, timeless. Um, those are some examples that I, that come to my mind. I'm curious of what, in y'all's opinion, any perfect songs just in the history of music that you find. It's just like, Everyone who's featured on here, the songwriting, the beat making, everything is perfect. This is a perfect song. Yeah, absolutely. Fab, you want to go first? Or you want to <laughs> I, I might have to think about that one. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, I'm going to fire off because I, I know I know. Yeah. three that I think are, to me, are my, my perfect songs. Yeah. The first one will be Bonnie Raitt, I Can't Make You Love Me. been it's been done a couple times mm-hmm. and you know when a song is great because artists tend to do it over right and over right and absolutely really um tank actually did a version of it which is amazing um the second one will be for me loyal um with chris brown and mm. uh, yeah, yeah that that's a great pick. record when i first heard it like for me, like I know a record is good when I go, man. I wish I wrote that. Oh that yeah, is- that's something I was gonna ask you you about as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. When I hear songs that that make me go, wow, like I can't even like fathom like how you came up with that. Yeah, and it's such it's so conversational. Um, loyal is, and it just like right, right. It just like it, I don't know. It's just like everything all lines up and just like one piece after the next. Of course. The verse to the pre-chorus, the chorus mm. in the rap, and then when Lil Wayne comes in, is like it's, it's all just perfect. It, it blows my mind. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Every time. And every it's so time. funny you talking about conversational. Like obviously, you know, as a DJ, you know that these whole things are like you know that's when I put the volume down, let everyone mm. sing it. You know what I mean? And it's and it's you think of something like that, and it's um, so many songs where I'm like, dude, this is so simple. You know, mm-hmm. and but it, it, it's but it, you know, it's the phrase of the year or something like that, you know. So, you know, I'm sure as a songwriter, you you, you can't help but kick yourself sometimes when it's just like, damn, like so simple sometimes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then, thirdly, uh, Shameless Plug will have to be a song that I wrote for Charlie Wilson called I'm Blessed. It is to me, love it, one of those songs that is timeless in the sense of 
you can play that song in 2021, mm. you can play it in 2041, mm. you can play it in 2081, and it will still have <laughs> right those moments that that people can re- relate to. Um, I'm a big thing on storytelling, and and you know to watch when Charlie's singing about his average day, right? And mm. you're going, hey, I'm waking up, thanking God. You know what I'm saying? I'm going through the process. I'm going to the barbershop, going to get something to eat. And, and I have no complaints. And if somebody asks me why I feel this way, I'm blessed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, and uh, it, it's one of those ones that I just, it, it just, it just hits different. And I, and I, I you know, I, I feel like when I go back home to my hometown of Savannah, Georgia, and that song comes on the radio, it's one of those ones that just, it just feels good. It's like a good, it's like a good soul food. It just feels good. Yeah, absolutely. Fab, any come to mind? Um, let me see. And it's all opinion. It's all opinions. You know what I mean? Yeah. So honestly, I'm a big fan of, I was a big fan of the, uh, thank me later album by Drake. Uh, over was like one of my favorite songs. Like ever. Yeah. Just everything about it is just, just hit right. But he literally bodied every single verse. Like Mm. on it. Yeah. Yeah, That's a good, I mean, you, you saying tech, take her. I was like, damn, you could really pick five different songs off of that and and yeah. couldn't couldn't go wrong with it yeah. <laughs> now that i think about it like i think take care with rihanna is a is probably a perfect song drake is a tactician man this dude uh, he doesn't miss when it comes to writing great mm. records i feel like he would be he would have been i mean he already is a great songwriter but if he would he, he he would be he would have a career outside of just being an artist if he wanted to just songwrite for the next 10 years sure I mean, oh yeah he, just, he oh, yeah. has that ability to be able to speak the universal language that most people mm. um identify with mm. and of all ages too because at first i was right. like oh okay, you know he appeals to you know college you know the college demographic then you know you got your mama or your grandmama singing like you know what i'm saying passion fruit <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's like he it's it's pretty interesting and i think you know his pops had a lot to do with that you know right the influences of you know larry graham and people like that um, who For have sure. molded his songwriting ability? Um, it, it really shows. Mm-hmm. I want to know what sh- y'all opinion about um, just Drake doing like different genre types. Like, won't be late. It's like an Afrobeat type one dance. I mean, it was, but it was like Afro influenced, and yeah. then Mia being a Latin track. Like, what do you guys think about that? I I think me personally. I think we need people going out there on the ledge and kind of trying different things. Um, some things are like better than others, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Uh, and I'm sure he probably can attest to that. Like certain things you'd be like, oh, well, that was, I tried that and I probably won't try that again. <laughs> <laughs> but the, there's, there's, I mean, he, he, to me, he's such a chameleon. And mm-hmm. I think that's what, where we need to live as artists anyway, is consistent collaborations with other people who don't even speak the same language. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, on top of it being a financially successful, right. it, it is uh, culturally successful. You know what I'm saying? Um, and that's why I believe hip hop is such a dominant force because the collaboration process, it happens all the time. You know, hip hop artists love to collaborate. And I think that's what R&B needs more of mm. is more collaborations with more people outside of our own backyard. You know what I'm saying? Because in R&B, you have, oh, well, I'm tight with this person. Or you'll see a Chris Brown and a Trey Song collab. Or you'll see a Chris Brown and, you know what I'm saying? Or uh, um, in a um, 
uh, I just said his name earlier. Oh my gosh, uh, just excuse me right now. Um, uh, Trap Soul, what's his name? Oh, Bryson. Bryson, Bryson Tiller. Bryson, you'll see, it, you'll see a Chris Brown Bryson collaboration. You'll see a Chris Brown Tory collaboration. But I would love to see artists out doing different things with people that you haven't even heard of from different parts of the world. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's a big country. And, um, and I, I think I think it could be could be amazing in that way. And I think Drake, he kind of leaves the charge of people just going out there and saying, hey, I'm just going to try working with any and everybody I can because I feel it. Not but not because, you know, um, I, I'm just uh, I'm doing it for, you know, a check. I think he really feels, you know, working with different artists and different backgrounds. Yeah, I completely agree. And, um, you know, you you saying that someone's got to kind of take the fall for it. Like, I mean, he's reached kind of a stratosphere where, like, he can take that hit and it won't, like, ruin his career or anything like that. Um, So, you know, he can take those risks. And sometimes I think more often than not, the risks uh, pay for themselves. And, you know, um, and but there's, you know, he 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 unfortunately gets the whole uh, label as like the culture vulture and stuff. But at the same time, how do you elevate these other, you know, how do you get global sounds popular into the states for example you know again he was kind of a gate you know he helped kind of catapult afro beats as we know it now you know it's, it's become very popular at least here in the east coast um fab and like the clubs here just to so many you know west africans that, that live around here um and i think one dance was a very easy transition for that to happen um and you know so if you want to credit that like i i, I he is credited for so many artists you know migos when versace dropped that was the first time i heard migos you know what i mean um young blue recently with your mind still like that introduced a lot of people to young blue um Mm -hmm. you know so you know you you can call it what you want to call it but i think you know he understands his influence and his power when he releases a record where everyone's going to listen to it um Mm -hmm. and if that means you know that's his ability to introduce and i think uh you know i think he's been doing it well yeah, I, I think also he takes the torch from where Jay Z. Mm. Like, I would see a few collaborations with Jay Z, but Jay Z did it more internally, though. You know, so he would, you know, say property and the groups that he put together through Rock Nation. But I think Drake took it another level where he goes, Hey, I'm going to start working with these newer artists that I do not know who they are, but I hear they're popping in certain parts of the world. Yep, exactly. Let's just get a record on it and let's just do it. And, you know, I think it works in, in, in both people's benefit. You mm. know, one, it helps the new artists grow and become the builder's own fan base or her own fan base and it also helps him because he still stays in the conversation absolutely absolutely fab you're gonna say something oh no i was good i was just talking shit i was gonna say <laughs> i heard a crazy story about young blue bro like they, <laughs> I, I was hearing like he he doesn't pay his producers oh like, really oh wow i think it just came out but i'm just like what are you talking about bro mm-hmm. like you can't pay your producer what do you mean Mm. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, I'm sure that happens. I mean, is that how it happens? Works with even the songwriting world too, like how payment works, or like because I know, like I was listening to um the dissect podcast. I don't know if you're familiar, but they like go, really go through like some albums and like just go through song by song, you know mm-hmm. how it was made, and and all, obviously a lot of it um is around Kanye albums, um mm-hmm. and listening to the My Beautiful Darkness with Fantasy one where he did like the Rosewood movement, everyone was in his suit, and it was a whole vibe in like Hawaii or wherever they were, and he was saying how, you know, Connie was crediting everybody. If you were in that room and you were like, yo, this word, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Then he would give you a writing credit. How do you kind of distinguish if you get paid for it or if you get, you know, how much credit you deserve if you just give a word versus write a whole verse? Is there mm-hmm. kind of a, a formula to that or is that just kind of maybe a well, friendship Well, everybody's thing? different. I'm going to say that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've seen two different techniques. Uh, I've seen in, in the, 
you know, R&B pop world where, you know, there's that 50% for production and that other 50% for lyric and melody. Mm. And I've seen, you know, where a producer is responsible for his, if no one has collaborated or added to his production, he keeps that 50%. And then on the other 50%, if you brought in a writer, or if there's three writers in there, then you got to split that, mm-hmm. that 50% evenly or, you know, for me, I like I like simple math, bro. Like I'm not gonna sit up here and try to, you know, do freaking algebra trying to figure out <laughs> what point zero ones to whatever. I ain't got yeah. time. For that. Yeah. So if you're in the room with me, no matter what level of skill you have, right, or what you contribute, if we're in the room from inception of the song, you split it with me. You know, mm. I feel like that's fair, right? Um, now what I've noticed, especially in the hip hop world, like people like Atlantic records and people, what they'll do is they'll send you a tr- empty chorus and they'll say, Hey, write the chorus to it. But the verses are there. Mm. And typically that ranges anywhere from like 15 to 20%. And that depends on how much muscle you have in the building as well. If you are a more known writer, then they'll, you know, be, you know, you can kind of demand a certain percentage. Um, so I remember our, my, my first placement, the Flowrider record, I only got 5%. And that's uh, of all sales. That's of like royalty, like 5% publishing. Yeah. Publishing. Of, the, of the, of the, yeah, of the, you know, as the record, as that's a whole. lot. I mean, that was a big record, right? I mean, that's, five. it was a big record, but yeah. you know, it's crazy. Cause I did 75% of the work. Got it. Got it. Got <laughs> that's it, got the part it. that sucks. Got but it, you know, it. at the time when you first starting out, you don't know anybody, you don't, you get, mm. like I said, I literally got into this game me and my younger brother off the street we were discovered singing on santa monica pier so it went from you're singing on the pier on a friday right so on monday you're in a multi-million dollar studio recording a record that's going to potentially be on the radio in three months Mm. so that's kind of how the shift just happened and at the time i had no leverage i couldn't say hey you know by the way uh let me get 15 or let me get 30 percent 20 percent I took what I can get at the time because sure. I knew that that opportunity was going to lead to more opportunities. Sure. So, and in the other style of you know, I wrote I written in Nashville um, for a while. Um, I have a uh, me and my brother have a publishing company that we signed a um, a young writer who was amazing. And what I've noticed is working with country writers, they split everything down the middle. So there's no fifty percent for production and there's no fifty percent for songwriting. It's just everybody's in a room together. Everybody gets it split evenly. And I like that approach as well, because mm-hmm. it shows a camaraderie of actually, Hey, we're all in this together. Um, meaning there's no room for jealousy or, right. you know, feeling some type of way if somebody, if somebody got more percentage than another. Right. Um, that's kind of, those are, those are two different ones. But as I said, I like to work simple, man. Yeah. If I'm in a room with you, we're splitting it down the middle. You know, we're making it simple, super simple and easy. Yeah, no, and I really do appreciate that insight because that's something I've always been curious, and I'm sure a lot of other uh, DJ songwriters, producers listening, um, you know, would be interested in, in learning as well. I did, um, you know, as we kind of, uh, you know, get down on time here, I did want you to uh, have an opportunity to just talk about what you're working on or what's about to come come out. You mentioned you had a project um, in the works or about to come out as well. I would love for you to kind of yeah. provide yeah. insight on you know the process, what we can expect, um, you know how you know how you're feeling about it. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. really anything that's going on with it. Absolutely. Well, um, the single therapy session is out now. I would ask that everybody go check that out. The follow up single to that one is called Recipe that comes out in July. Um, I'm really excited about that. And then after that will be the uh, EP. Um, it's called The Show. 
Um, it's seven songs, uh, including the one I did with Sean Stockman from Boys to Men called Do It Again. And uh, this is the introduction to Who is Jackie's Boy. Um, my last EP was three years ago. So obviously a lot has changed in three years and there's a lot of more, a lot of things that I've wanted to expand on and talk about. Um, so this EP is called The Show. And then I'll do another EP after this one called The After Party. And then I'll do another one after this one called The Hotel. Oh, so shit. Okay. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Like a little of, trilogy. Uh, yeah. I was going to say like a little trilogy. That's, that's, that's hot. Exactly. Yeah. And they, are they all going to have kind of their own personalities or like, you know, what's they kind do. of the. They do. Yeah. The dope. show kind of carries a, a an idea of, you know, I'm really leaning on the live performance aspect. Of course, I'm a live performer at the end of the day. So it takes you through, you know, some some really cool um, cinematic views of what, you know, what it's going to look like on stage. And then um, the after party is very up tempo. It's mm-hmm. it's. It's basically, you know, everybody's kind of, you know, popping a few bottles, you know, saying high fives after the show. And then after the whole, after the, you know, after parties, the hotel, it's a little more smoother, a little more, For sure. you know, sexier. Um, and yeah, that's going to be, that's going to be uh, what's what's coming. Dude, I love that. That sounds awesome. I, I'm excited. I'm like, I'm like, oh, this is hot. Uh, <laughs> you. you you mentioned, you know, live performance is, is tour coming up soon. Do you already have something scheduled? Yeah, I know everything's a little still a little funky yeah yeah um, I'm, I'm i'm working very hard i'm working tirelessly with my partner daryl to get something in the books right now we have some dates for 2022 mm-hmm, um but mm-hmm. right now we're looking to try to get 2021 um end of summer going into winter uh locked in so um you know i don't want to say anything just yet but there's some big news that that could potentially be coming soon that's awesome you got to come to boston Hey, yes. Pull, pull, yes pull up on me and fab yeah 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 yeah. fab fab is working on that right now for us we love to put on a show and i'm excited because uh my show actually has an all-female band oh um, that's so dope that's awesome yeah, so we are really about making sure we give um our viewers something exciting to watch and the last time you saw you know an all-female band was back in what 85 or something mm. like that so with climax or something like that so i'm trying to really give people a chance to see something that's still that's that's familiar but not you know what i'm saying but it hasn't been done in a while and uh and when i tell you these are four of the most beautifulest women you'll ever see it's amazing wow that's that sounds fucking awesome dude like uh you definitely got to come boss would love to meet you you know and support you yeah. obviously and uh you know i'm definitely excited um for all those projects to drop is is the trilogy supposed to be out you know by 2022 is it going to be a a one-year kind of thing or are you spreading it out a little bit more uh, no everything will be released in 20 everything will be released this year oh so. shit wow so yeah, yeah. busy so guy yeah so we're slated to have the the hotel come out in december awesome oh that's that's fucking awesome man and so you know obviously everybody listening you know, just just check out Jackie's boy. What he has out right now, t- plenty plenty of stuff out right now, um, as well as just anything that you're credited in as well. And then just so much to come out. Super excited. I'm, I mean, to be honest, I'm very glad you know we have you now just to be able to see your anticipation and your excitement here, and uh, for us to be able to you know be ready for those drops because um, you know I'm I'm already getting excited. Likewise, <laughs> man. I gotta thank you again, and I gotta thank Fab as well for making the connection. And, Absolutely. And everybody here on on the call, um, you know, I gotta tell you, I do not take any moments like this for granted because you guys are, you know, the lifeline, you know what I'm saying? Mm. You guys make this thing happen without you talking about projects for artists and things that are coming out and things you're excited about. Nobody would know. So I got to tell you once again, thank you from the bottom of my heart for the time that you guys have given me. 
Yeah, absolutely. And that, and that means a lot. You know, obviously your time is great as well. You know, we, we trying to have elevated conversations that are, you know, good insight into music. You know, me coming up as a DJ, like I always talked about, like, damn, I don't know the answers. You know, I don't I don't know how things work. And, you know, obviously YouTube has been a great thing, right? YouTube University gone pretty far with that. But, uh, you know, being able to have opportunity to speak to people like yourselves, giving that kind of insight has been, uh, for me, amazing. I can't imagine what it's like for actual songwriters uh, that are listening or producers that are listening. Um, so I really, really definitely appreciate your time. Please take a moment to plug your Instagram where people can find you. Um, yep. And again, plugging in those projects. Absolutely. You guys can uh, check me out um, under Jackie's Boy, J-A-C-K-I-E-S-B-O-Y on all platforms. Um, also, you can check out my website under Jackie'sBoyLive.com. Also, uh, the label, Big Circle Music Group. Um, BigCircleMusicGroup.com is our website. Um, we're, you know, trying to carry the torch of, you know, this progressive soul into R&B um, with our label. And, you know, be, be on the lookout for our other band called Discotech. That's coming out. Their single drops in June. Um, so we're excited. We're ready to get to work. Love that. You know, and uh, Disco Tech is, so how do you spell that? Because uh, I'm sure it's a different Oh, yeah, D-I-S-C-O-T-E-C-K. So Perfect. they're an amazing band out of Miami. Dope. Um, I mean, these are, I mean, the funkiest group of guys I've yeah. ever met. And so. New Disco is definitely like something that's definitely reemerging too. Yes, yes. You know, somebody told me, uh, you know, in an interview that music comes back every 30 years. Absolutely. It comes right back around. Absolutely. So I think we're going to be introduced into funk and disco once again. Yep. But in a, in a hybrid way, in a new way. For sure. And uh, when I heard when I heard their single, um, it was something that just kind of blew my mind. So I can't wait for you guys to hear it. It comes out. Um, yeah, it comes out in June. Definitely. Definitely be on the lookout for that. Fab, please play yourself once again. <laughs> uh DJ Fab on Instagram, the underscore DJ Fab. And also my birthday is Friday. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Hey, yeah de- happy early birthday. We definitely gotta do something. Um but I uh, appreciate you both. Um thank you so much for your insight. Thanks so much for your time. Everybody check them both out. Lots of amazing things coming. Um follow them both. Follow uh Dope Entertainment Official, follow the podcast app, but I know the DJ. Follow me at Give Me Snacks. Um, as always, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you guys soon. Yep, yep.